You're listening to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. Going back to school in these uncertain times can be challenging for students, and one in four are currently battling with their mental health. Rick Burt, president and CEO of Students Against Destructive Decisions, or SAD, is on the line to offer parents the tools they need to help their kids succeed in integrating back into school physically. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Vicki. Always great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Start by telling us a little about Students Against Destructive Decisions. Yeah, absolutely. We are in our fourth day decade of existence. Our listeners might remember us as Students Against Driving Drunk, started back in the 1980s, really with a singular focus on alcohol-impaired driving. The organization was started after several students were tragically killed in New England after a series of alcohol-related crashes, and the students wanted to be part of the solution. So they got together with their hockey coach and other caring adults and started the organization. In 1997, those same student leaders, the students who were leading our chapters at that time, came to us and said, hey, we think these are important issues, but there's so many other issues that we're struggling with, bullying, tobacco education, uh, mental health, and much more. So we changed the name to be Students Against Destructive Decisions, now having a broader focus and a national network of about 7,500 chapters in all 50 states and the territories, working every day to empower teens, engage adult allies, mobilize communities and change lives. And as an alumni of SAD, you have a unique perspective on this organization. I do. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Vicki. I'm really lucky that every day I get to turn my passion into a career. I, as you said, I was a SAD student growing up in rural Ohio, and I saw firsthand the, the impact SAD had not only on my life, but you know my ability to develop lifelong leadership skills, to be able to know how to advocate for myself and others, to be engaged in the community and do much more. And I saw the same thing happening across schools, across Ohio and across the country. And so we're really fortunate every day to be able to do the good work of helping young people realize the potential and the passion that they can harness each and every day to make an impact in their schools and communities uh, along the way. Well, this past year and a half has been pretty challenging for students. What are some of the signs and symptoms that someone may be facing mental health challenges, particularly students? Absolutely. I think we have to first realize that humans by our very existence are social animals. And I don't know about you, Vicki, but I think we've all had to change how we socially interact, right? Mm -hmm. We're doing a lot of virtual, a lot of distance-based learning, All of those things that kind of make uh, those social interactions special have kind of been stripped away or adapted, and and certainly we've tried to morph the best we can, but there's still a a science behind how this lack of interaction has impacted humans, but particularly young people, who are even more social by their being. They're social by school. They're social by their friends groups. And so to your question of what are some of those things we should look for, we talk about changes, broad strokes of changes in appetite and physical demeanor in attitudes and behaviors that aren't just one bad day, but there are a series of attitudes and, and changes that, you know, are more concerning. We have a full mental health toolkit on our website, sad.org, that helps parents notice what some of those signs are. And most importantly, understand how to start conversations, how to access resources, and when it's a good time to get some help from a healthcare or mental health professional. Tell us more about this toolkit. Yeah, we've heard from parents that you know, there really is no manual on how to be a parent, particularly in the middle of a, of a global pandemic. So we teamed up with an international group of experts in mental health and created a resource, one for students that helps students navigate how they can raise awareness about mental health and removing the stigma on mental health, and one for parents to navigate some of these tough choices. So as I mentioned, there are conversation starters. It's, it's so tempting, I think, for parents to start the conversation with, hey, how was your day, and then kind of let it die off, particularly if we're all stuck in the same house together, particularly if we're not 
going about the busyness of normal family life. So we wrote down some tips and some points for to help parents dig a little deeper. Hey, tell me what's one good thing you did to help someone. Hey, here's some activities we can do together as a family. Here's a new tradition that we can start. You know, it sounds a little cheesy, but board game nights and, and other memorable moments that you can make as a family really create a unique atmosphere. And again, there's a science behind this that allows young people to open up and share the risks, the pressures, the, the ups and downs that they're experiencing in their everyday lives. And so this toolkit really acts as a map for parents and other caring adults to help them navigate those waters of these strange times that we're in and also create a culture where mental health is valued. You know, we certainly know there's a stigma on that in our country. and We want to help families navigate that and get to a point where talking about our mental health is just as common as talking about our physical health. How can adults encourage young people as they go back to school? Yeah, I think the first thing is to ask, hey, how are you doing? You know, what are you nervous about? Do you have anxiety? Understanding what those signs of anxiety are and, and, and understand that even if you know, under normal times there would be some jitters about back to school, understand that those are going to be even heightened to a greater level during this time of unsure about health and safety issues, unsure of what classroom experience is going to look like. You know, will we get to a point where we have to go back to to distance learning? A lot of things that we don't know. And I think it's really important that as adults in the lives of teenagers, we say, hey, I don't know either, but we're going to go through it together and we're going to figure it out together. And that's where that toolkit comes in to help navigate some of those conversations on how you can provide reassurance while still being upfront and saying there's a lot of things that the smartest people in the world don't know at this point. And so navigating that with um, honesty and transparency, but also caring, nurturing spirit is so important. And how about for teens? How can parents support and empower them as they face the pressure of college and the path forward post-COVID? Yeah, college is even more you know, of a challenge that we've heard from young people. They feel behind academic business down on social opportunities, as we've talked about. So again, I think the first thing is to, for parents to really understand those pressures and use some of the resources that we've talked about today to start some of those conversations that we've already discussed. I think the second part of that is to, you know, create a culture where you can have some of those tough conversations on an ongoing basis. It can't be a one and done situation where you're checking in with your young person once and that's the last time you talk about mental health. But to instead talk about creating some coping mechanisms, creating things that when you do feel stressed, What are things that you do? What are those ways that you release stress? Maybe it's music. Maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's finding a caring adult that can be in a a medical capacity, a therapist, or uh, some sort of other medical support mechanism. Whatever that is, uh, there's lots of outlets to find that help and to get the help that we all need. And I think we have to also help young people understand that saying you're not okay is okay, but not saying it is not okay. Getting that help that we all need to get through these unprecedented times is absolutely key and creating a culture where we normalize these conversations is how we're going to make sure everyone stays healthy and safe. You know, I think we all felt so terrible for the the class of 2020 who missed out on their spring semester of their senior year of high school. And that was awful. And then I think about the class of 2021 who lost their entire year of senior year of high school. Yeah. It's true. You know, we've seen, I mean, everyone's existence has been shifted in some way, right? I think about our kindergarten students who were doing kindergarten virtually. I think about, you know, our parents who had waited for senior nights and for other special moments. And as you said, my heart really breaks for our students who have missed out on not only those lifelong special moments, but also just the everydayness of being a teenager. So as you cited, Vicki, one in four high school students 
are currently struggling with their mental health. And some of that is just because of the unknownness, if that's a word, the unknown <laughs> factor of the times in which we're living, where we don't know what's going to come next. We don't know what's going to spike, what variant, what that's going to look like if you get sick, all of those components. And so I think each class, we need to, we need to recognize that this whole generation is going to be impacted with an, an uncertainty that's also tied with political unrest, social debate, lots of other things that are happening concurrent to this global pandemic, which can make the world look like a pretty dark place. So as adults, I think we have to remind people of the good in the world and, and not to sound you know, too overzealous here, but to remind people that there's love in the world, that there's hope, that there you know, still is goodness out there, even though the right here and right now looks very bleak. The teen brain doesn't always process the long-term objective because their frontal cortex and frontal lobe literally aren't developed. So reminding students of the positive is absolutely key, and that's one thing that adults and all sectors can help us do as we kind of all muddle through this together. I've been speaking with Rick Burt, president and CEO of Students Against Destructive Decisions. How would someone go about starting a SAD chapter through their school or nonprofit? It's so easy. It's free and takes about, I literally have timed it, two minutes and 18 seconds. You head to our website, sad.org. You click on Get Involved. You will see there that there is a link to register a SAD chapter. We ask some very basic information about your school, your community, your um, house of worship, your community center, wherever, whatever organization you might be affiliating the SAD chapter with, and then some very basic information so we can get a hold of the students that are joining the chapter. That gives you access to dozens and dozens, I think it's over 60 programs that we've developed across our content areas and hundreds of other scholarships, partnerships, resources, community mobilization tools, and much more, all within our membership system. And from there, it's an easy way to get connected to all the other things happening across that nation. Couldn't be easier to facilitate. Tell us again how we can access that toolkit for parents and share with us anything else you want us to know. Yeah, absolutely. www.sadd.org. I know we've been talking a great deal about mental health, but we're also mindful that we're, as we think about the fall season, we're we're wrapping up the 100 deadliest days of the summer months where we've seen more teens lost on our roadways and car crashes than any other time of the year. So SAD also works going back to our roots in roadway safety. We're working with partners like the National Road Safety Foundation to create and, and spread our Passport for Safe Driving, a resource that highlights common skills that young people often lack behind the wheel. And then the Passport, there are resources for parents that give them a little insight on how to coach their teen through some of those common mishaps of being a new driver, how to handle blind spots, how to handle left-handed turns, what to do when you've got passengers in the car. All those things that are some of the leading causes of teen crashes and injuries. So we've got great resources through the National Road Safety Foundation on our website as well. And as parents are thinking about this back-to-school season, that's one thing that I encourage parents to do is to think about roadway safety. Think about, again, talking about with your teen, whether they're doing virtual learning or in person, about peer pressure. And how do you handle peer pressure when something comes up? There's lots of great resources on our website for parents to handle those topics, not just in mental health, but all of the risks and pressures that young people face every day. And to follow us on social media where we have prizes, giveaways, contests, scholarships, all the things that young people and parents need to help navigate these times. SAD is here to help, and, and we're here to do whatever we can to keep everyone safe. Thank you so much for talking with us today, and thank you for making a difference in our community. Uh, thanks, Vicki. Always a pleasure to be with you.